Amen. Had some pretty awesome things uh, that I'm anticipating God to do uh, in and through this church and uh, in, into the new year, and I thank God for each and every one of you for being a part of that. We have some incredible things and expectations of God. You know, Lord laid on my heart to, to do a series on great expectations going into the new year because God wants us to use our imagination the, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit to imagine and determine what He can do and what He will do in this coming year. And for several months now, I have been praying and asking God to do the unexpected, to do signs and wonders, to do miracles and to do healings. And God has began to answer that incredible prayer with some pretty incredible things over the last few months. God has been showing up and God has been doing some incredible things. Would you say amen to that? Uh, people who have been healed, people who have been touched, and people not just here at Calvary, but other places as well. And I wanted to talk to you today, great expectations in this first message, uh, about the crippled beggar. There, there are some people who are crippled, and this man, uh, of course, he was born with uh, the inability to walk. He was a destined in his culture in Israel to be a beggar to be someone who couldn't fend for himself, that would always need somebody uh, and other people, rely on other people's generosity and benevolence for him to survive. I think so many times in the, today's culture, even though we live in a modern culture in a very wealthy country, for the wealthiest of, in all history, is that there are still some crippled beggars. And I'm not talking about just for financial reasons, but I'm talking about crippled beggars who need the touch of God. And I think every one of us coming into this new year need a fresh touch from God. Would you say amen to that? That we need a fresh anointing on our lives, a fresh anointing on our church, a fresh anointing on our families. Would you say amen to that? God wants to show up. God wants to bless. God wants to pour His Spirit out. And as we start this new year, 2023... Uh, the Bible verse that I want to share with you today is simply up here, Ephesians 3.20. And it's an incredible verse that just burned into my soul over the last few weeks. And it says to this, simply Paul saying to this, Now to him who is able. Did you know God is able to do exceedingly above and abundantly above all that we could ask or imagine according to the power that works within us? And I think that verse is so powerful, it just touches my heart every time I read it, but especially this year, it's like God burned this into me. And as the Lord is saying to me, I want you to be, I want you to be anticipating a fresh move of my Holy Spirit in 2023. I want you to anticipate God doing a new thing. Somebody say amen, a new thing, a new thing. Now, I, I don't know about you, but I'm kind of wired, uh, always has been, to be an optimist. At, and especially at the end of each year, I start thinking and imagining a greater year ahead. And I start looking through scriptures and asking God, what word do you have for 2023 or the coming year? And I believe that God has something incredible planned for my life, for me, my ministry, my family, and for my church. And I say that to you, even though the past five years have been an incredible, can I just say it, a disappointment, 
Um, it has been uh, years that have been incredible disappointment and challenges for us. I think as individuals and the church, uh, we've had in 2020, starting in March, we've had COVID and COVID shutdowns and then COVID hangover in the year to follow, and then a spiritual attack from hell uh, that was a total blindside to us. Uh, but as we begin this new year of 2023, I am ever hopeful for a great year filled with God's blessings to me, my family, and to our church. And I say this despite, despite uh, the current reality of the circumstances still in play in our culture, despite the serious moral decline of our nation, the serious moral decline of our nation. We had a, uh, last night as we stayed up to uh, usher in the new year with uh, a toast and prayer of our home and our family and prayer for our family and for our churches. Uh, you know, we usually watch uh, Dick Clark's Watch the Ball Drop in New York, and then I had to turn the channel because I thought, I just don't want to watch this and then pray after watching a cross-dressing guy up there singing and announcing the new year. I just want, I don't want that. And I think that's the culture that we live in today. And I don't hate anybody. It's just, it's just not right. And we need to expect greater things from, from, from within the church and from our culture. And, and is, despite that moral decline, God is still on the throne. God is still on the throne. And we have this uh, in our culture, this current circumstances of a terrible geopolitical situations around the world. There's wars and rumors of war. There's the rise of communist China and North Korea, Iran and Russia. There's the political divide, the culture wars, the rise of violent crime and justice falling down in the streets. We live in an unprecedented day of, of uh, injustice in our country and lawlessness. We, though, as children of the Almighty God have, who have been redeemed by the blood of the cross, having the Spirit of Christ in us, the hope of glory, the hope of glory, have every reason to be full of joy, full of hope, and being filled with great expectations for a year filled with the blessings of God. What did that verse say again? Now to him who is able. God is able. We are not able in our own power to elicit any kind of change, any permanent change. We are not able in our own power to do exceedingly above and beyond all that we could ask or imagine, but we have a God who is, a God who is mighty. And how is he going to do this? How is he going to accomplish the things that he gives birth to in our imaginations? It, it gives birth to in our imaginations. It's according to the power that works in us. And what is that power? He, Paul goes on to say, it is the same power that raised Christ from the dead after he was dead three days and three nights in the tomb, that same power dwells in us, in our mortal bodies, in ourselves, to bring life and power to whatever God calls us to do. We have the power by the, uh, because of the uh, power of God that works within us. Now, we've seen God exceed our expectations before. I have beyond my expectations. And, and, and I can tell you something about myself is my imagination, imagination can run pretty wild. I don't know about you, but i got a big imagination. I can dream about many, many things. I can lay in bed at night and while I'm waiting to fall asleep and start imagining, God, what do you have for us? You know, God, what are you going to do uh, in my life and my ministry? And can I tell you that I'm finding out that as I grow a year older every year, just like everybody else here, and you start seeing the years go by and you start seeing uh, some of the changes in your body, I still have great expectations of God doing exceedingly above and beyond all I can hope or imagine. He, he wants us to dream big. 
I don't know about you, but I want my children, my daughters, and my son-in-laws to dream big. I want them to believe God for incredible things. You know, uh, my pa- son-in-laws are, are pastors, they're in ministry, and, and I love it, the fact that they have a heart for God. And I love the fact that they have expectations of greater things. I love the fact that they are anticipating a great move of the Holy Spirit in and through their church and into the community and into the world. I love the fact that they have faith. I love my daughters that have faith and they honor the Lord with their lives. And I have some of my grandchildren here today who are, some of them getting old, you know, they're getting old and need to find a spouse, I think, you know, but uh, no, I'm just kidding. But uh, God is moving in their lives, and I'm so proud that the Holy Spirit is doing a work in their life today. I thank God for that. Do you thank God for what God is doing in your family, your children and grandchildren? I have great expectations for their lives and for the calling of God that is on their life. And I've seen God, like I said, do way beyond what I could hope or imagine. And uh, there's, uh, there's, you know, how does he do it? Because of the power that is in us. Over the next few weeks, I want to give a, some scriptural examples of the fulfillment of great expectations, along with some personal testimonies as well. But today, on this first message, I want to find, have you find your uh, text in the book of Acts chapter 3, and it's a familiar one. I love the book of Acts, don't you? You know what's so powerful about the book of Acts is it's really there's no the end. Because the Holy Spirit, the acts of the Holy Spirit continues to march on and do great and exceedingly above and beyond our imagination even in today's time. Because we are parts and partners with the book of Acts in our life and what God is doing in and through us and through our church. Now what we find here in Acts chapter 3 is an incredible thing. It's after the day of Pentecost when the Spirit of God was poured out and uh, 120 in the upper room were all filled and spoke with other tongues. There was a great incredible a message that was given on Pentecost Sunday where 3,000 people were saved. And, and now we find that Peter and John, after that has taken place, that Peter and John uh, were going to the temple. They were going up to the temple at the ninth hour, the hour of prayer. Now, I want you to understand something, is that Peter and John, the apostles, uh, didn't think that they were above being punctual, <laughs> showing up for church, showing up for prayer, that God worked greatly through them and miracles and signs and wonders were being wrought by the apostles and by their hands. And, and the reason that that happened was because they were men of prayer. They were people who pressed into God. They were people who sought after the presence and the power of God. And we can do no less in the days that we live in, especially in the days that we live in. We need to be men and women, boys and girls of prayer of interceding and crying out to God and believing God for greater things, despite the circumstances of our current reality. Can I say amen to that? I'll say it myself, amen to that. And I encourage you to say amen to that in your life. And that's why this coming Sunday evening, we're going to be having a Holy Spirit seeking time. And I think it behooves each and every one of us in the day in which we live, the reality of the circumstances, that if it's all possible that you be here, seeking the Lord and crying out to Him for your church, for your community, for your nation, for your world, for our families, for our grandchildren. God wants us to be people of prayer. God wants to answer prayer. Amen? 
now here it is. It's three o'clock in the afternoon. Peter and John are going into the temple to participate in the afternoon uh, of prayer. And according to the Torah, sacrifices were to be offered in the morning in the temple and in the evening, according to Numbers chapter 28, beginning and ending in Israel's day with atonement and getting closer to God. And these times becoming special times of prayer for the Jewish people, which they still do to this day, even though the temple does not stand. And this was when they were about, Peter and John, had already seen the hand of God move. They had already experienced Pentecost. They had already been filled with the Spirit and spoke with other tongues. Peter, who denied Jesus three times on the night of his betrayal, was the spokesperson for the church on the birth of the church on the day of Pentecost. And he preached a powerful articulate message on the power of the cross and the atonement. 3,000 people responded to that message. But now they were going to experience something that would go beyond anything they could even ask or imagine, something beyond their greatest expectations. Now, I'm going to ask you the question, have you ever ran into a divine appointment unaware that that's what God had set up for you and he had positioned you to be in that place at that time for that purpose? Have you experienced that? I hope you have, because this should not be relegated just to history in the Scriptures. This is something the Holy Spirit loves to do today. He wants to use you. I'm talking about boys and girls. I'm talking about adult women and men. I'm talking about students, that God wants to show you how powerful He is working in and through you to redeem lost mankind. He wants to use you. And here, uh, uh, Peter and John, even though they've already experienced some great things, something greater was about to happen. I don't know if they imagined it. I don't know if they dreamed this could happen. I don't know what they expected because we don't know for sure. The Scriptures don't say. But here they come to the hour prayer, doing the right thing, showing up for prayer meeting. And they ran smack dab into a crippled beggar who had expectations of his own. See, everybody has some expectations. Everybody has dreams. Isn't that right? You remember you had dreams for your life when you were young, dreams for life when you're older. You have dreams for your children's lives, dreams for your grandchildren, good dreams uh, full of blessing and hope and blessing and favor and, and increase. You'll have these dreams. But they ran right into this crippled beggar that even though he was disabled, even though he had been lame since he was born, he still had the capacity, the God-given capacity to have dreams, to have expectations. That maybe he even called them, and maybe even some who he would share his dreams with, called them fantasies. You know, I dreamed that I got up and I walked. And mom and dad said, oh, I'm so sorry, but you're never going to do that. That's not going to happen. Have you ever been around and had a dream and had a dream killer? Somebody who's a wet blanket? who comes up to you and just throws wet blankets on your dreams and on your expectations, on your imagination. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I lay in bed at night trying to fall asleep, I dream out loud. I mean, dream while I'm, I'm, I'm awake. And I dream about good things. And I dream about, God, what are you going to do in my life? What are you going to do here? Sometimes I lay in bed and pray, and I have expectations that God is going to hear my prayers. But Peter and John ran smack dab into a crippled beggar. He was blindsided, and they were blindsided. And I tell you that divine appointments should be normal for the child of God. Did I mention that earlier? That we should expect that God is going to open up an opportunity for us to share the hope that lies within us. Did you know that? 
You know, when I worked in the secular field of sales, I, I ran into my world was everywhere around certain parts of uh, metropolitan Kansas City and uh, between customers and between people, shoppers and everything, that God would oftentimes, I'd run smack dab into a divine appointment. And all of a sudden, you just know it. I mean, you, you just know it. The Spirit of God moving your heart and the Lord would speak and say, go talk to that guy over there. But Lord, I don't know him. I don't know who he is. Go talk to him. Speak up. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Oftentimes in conversation with other salespeople standing in the back room of a big box store waiting to have their orders checked in so they could merchandise their product and get on to the next stop, that there would be conversations going on. And sometimes the conversations weren't very edifying from a Christian standpoint from a biblical viewpoint, and I would oftentimes just inter intervene, you know, kind of uh, put myself in the midst of that conversation without being harsh or being rebuking, and just speak truth into that atmosphere, and share Christ, and share what, what the Bible would say about that particular thing. Sometimes things would get real quiet, and other people would kind of get quiet and listen, then they'd walk away. Other times, somebody would come back up and talk to me. I think God wants people to come up and talk to you. I think God wants you to go up and talk to people. Somebody says, well, how are we going to have revival, Pastor? We need to have more prayer. We need to have more uh, fasting. We need to have more uh, worship and praise where we press into God's presence. Well, those things are wonderful. But if they don't produce any kind of activity in your life after those things are accomplished, then what was it really for? Right? I, I'm just saying that it should motivate us, stimulate us to good works. It should motivate us and stimulate us. If we're going to have revival, it's going to be because the redeemed of the Lord say so. Have you spoken up? Have you reached out? Have you reached out to people and loved them and done good things to, to attract their attention, to bring them to Christ? You know, we need to be ready to give the answer of the hope that lies within us. And first thing I want to talk about this guy, you know, this lame person, you know, he was a victim of circumstances. Uh, he, at no fault of his own, he was crippled, born that way. He knew nothing different than that. He was a prisoner of his circumstances. And the Bible says in this passage that there was a man who was lame from his birth. And he was carried, probably by family or friends, he was carried because he couldn't walk uh, to the uh, temple gate, which is called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg every day to beg. And he was begging from those uh, who were going to the temple courts, hoping that their hearts would be moved by seeing someone who needed help. We're not told why this man was born crippled, what reasons there was, why God allowed this to happen, uh, only that it seemed to be his lot in life. Sometimes they say, well, Pastor, you want to hear about the lot in my life? You know, Well, we all have things that are outside of our control, that really we don't want in our lives, but they're just a fact. The standard theology of the day was that this man's parents probably did something sinful for God to have visited this terrible thing on his family, on this boy. And so they were more than likely looked down upon by some of the religious leaders or the pious people, the legalists of the day. And since he was handicapped, he had to beg to survive. He didn't, we didn't have welfare. They didn't have welfare like that. That was their way of uh, meeting their needs. And, and he was carried to the same place. Now listen to this. He was carried to the same place every day 
to do the same thing every day with the same results every day. His life was one of monotony. It was boringly predictable with little to no deviation. Little to no deviation. Have you ever felt like you were trapped in circumstances, trapped in a boring, predictable life? Can I tell you that if that's you, I mean to tell you, you need to have an encounter with the living God and allow him to stir up your hearts and your imagination and your faith to believe him for greater things. Because for the Christian, for the child of God, we don't and God doesn't expect us to live a boring, predictable life. But God wants us to expect the unexpected every day. That should be our lot in life, is to expect God to do something new and fresh every day. You know, when I, years ago, used to lead worship, and that was my position in the church as worship leader, and I was a teacher and preacher and things like this, but I led worship. And, you know, when we had a great move of the Holy Spirit, Amy, I know you and the other worship leaders here understand this very clearly, is when God does something powerful and just incredible outside of the box during worship, and the Spirit of God shows up, and it's just incredible, is I would go all the next week while I was out doing my work uh, and my job, and I would think, God, what are you going to do next Sunday? Lord, what are you going to do next week? Lord, you did this last week, but you're going to do something fresh and new this coming week. Do you have that kind of expectancy? Or do we just say, well, the Lord showed up today. Well, that was an unusual service. No, God shows up every day. And he doesn't want us to be living a boring, predictable life, but to expect the unexpected. You know, this is the way this guy was, and he was about... He was about to see some change that he didn't expect. Aren't you glad God surprises us with his power? You know, this man's expectations were exceeded. This is my next slide up here. His expectations were exceeded because 3 through 5 in Acts chapter 3 says that when, when he saw Peter, see, he was in a position down on the ground, Peter and John walking by, people walking by. And as he, and, and he was a, uh, Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. He called out to them and asked. Now, there's nothing wrong with asking for things when you are needy and you need help. There's nothing to be ashamed of in doing that because God has blessed others of us to bless people who have needs, and there's nothing wrong with that. But he was asking him for temporal things that he would need to come back tomorrow to get again. And at verse number four, it's pretty powerful because Peter looks straight at him. In fact, the King James says that he fixed his gaze upon him. In other words, it was like, to me, it was like a zoom lens that the Holy Spirit put in Peter's mind that he's walking by this guy. Can I tell you, he's walked by this guy I don't know how many times over the years because the Bible says he was carried there and placed there at that gate every day. How many times did Peter and John, how many times did Jesus walk by? How many times did the other apostles walk by on their way to the hour of prayer when they were in Jerusalem? And this guy was there begging. And maybe Peter and John never noticed him before because there's beggars there. And he, they walk by. But this time was a day when God had an appointment. And Peter fixed his gaze upon him. It was like a zoom lens, just zoom in to this guy. And what did Peter do? Under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, Peter said, look at us. And so the man gave him his attention. And what does it say there in verse 5? It says he was expecting. Say expecting. 
He was expecting to get something from him. But Peter, instead of dropping some coins into his bag or his cup or whatever he had that he was holding there, his resources, Peter said, I do not possess silver or gold, but what I do have I give to you in the name of the Messiah, Yeshua, the Nazarene, rise up and walk. And Peter, when he says this, Rabbi Lauren Jacob says that in his name literally means because of who Yeshua is and what he is able to do and because of the authority that he has given to me, he says, get up and walk by the authority that he gives to us. The power that works within us. Can I tell you that there still today in 2023, there should be people of God who follow Christ that have that same authority in the Spirit, in faith believing to command the lame to walk. To pray over people and expect God to move. We don't have anointers up here on Sunday just to pray vain, empty prayers. I like to tell our anointers that you are there to be a conduit for the blessing and the glory and the anointing of God to flow through you into that person by faith. Peter said, walk. And Peter seemed to know exactly what God wanted to happen in this situation as he was given instant faith, a gift of faith. He was given authority, messianic authority, the Son of God's divine authority, and he used it by commanding the crippled man to walk. And the strong fisherman, Peter, he did something else. He did something besides just pray and command. He reached down and he seized this guy by his right hand. He pulled him up to his feet, and the Bible says that immediately, immediately his feet and his ankles were strengthened, and with a leap he stood upright and began to walk, and he entered into the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God making a spectacle of himself. Have you ever been so blessed that you made a spectacle of yourself? Most of us don't want to stand out like a sore thumb. We want to blend in. But let me tell you, when God does something in your life and he does a miracle, we ought to make a spectacle of ourselves. That we ought to rejoice. We ought to leap and jump and praise God so that people say, what's going on here? And the miracle that Peter did, uh, that the Spirit of God did through Peter, was immediate and it was very public. Right at one of the entrances to the Jerusalem temple and the time when the religious Jewish people were entering to take part in the closing prayers of the day. And all of a sudden the people saw this guy walking and leaping and praising God. And they were taking note of him because he not he the one, they said to each other, who used to sit at the gate beautiful and beg alms? Isn't he the one that we know his parents? Isn't he the one that's been lame? since he's been born? Isn't he the one who had no hope? Isn't he the one who had to beg for a living? And they were all, what the scriptures say, they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. When was the last time you were filled with amazement and wonder at what God was doing? There's an old song by the Gaithers that said, uh, that talked about um, being filled with wonder and amazement at what God has done. Get all excited, it says, and tell everybody that Jesus Christ was born. And the Bible says that while he was clinging to Peter and John, all the people that were in the temple area ran together to them at the so-called portico of Solomon in the temple, full of amazement. I love that, full of amazement. I'm going to tell you something. I have expectations and imaginations that we are going to be living in such a day when the Spirit of God is going to move across our community 
and not just our church, but across our community, and that there's going to be signs and wonders, and there's going to be miracles, and the people of this culture are going to be amazed. They're going to be full of wonder, and they're going to begin to ask about this God that they were told either didn't exist or they've never heard of him before. Are you expecting a move of God like that? The third point is the crowds were blessed. They had an encounter with God too. They were blindsided by the power of God and by the goodness of God. They, weren't, they were just going expecting to pray, and yet all of a sudden, they're witnessing this incredible miracle. And the crowd recognized it was the same man who used to sit begging, and they were full of amazement. And I'm just going to close, Catherine, if you can come back. They recognized this guy. They knew who he was. This was a verified miracle. He wasn't a stranger. Somebody, put, Some charlatan put in there to try to take advantage of people and get money out of them. But they knew who he was. They were full of wonder and amazement. And at this point... Because the Holy Spirit set them up, they were ready to hear about Jesus. What happened here? And guess what? Peter gets to preach again. Isn't it amazing who God uses? You think of all the apostles, besides Judas, of course, is that Peter would be the last one Jesus would use. You ever think about that? He didn't deserve it. He failed God. He caved in out of fear and intimidation, self-preservation. But you know why God can use a person like that? He's like David, King David, that when he sinned, he went out and wept bitterly. And he repented. I'm going to tell you something. There is not one person here today or listening on live stream that God cannot use. I don't care what your past is. I don't care how many times you have failed God. I don't care how many people you have hurt. That if you repent, weep bitterly, repent, God will forgive you. Who was the first person that Jesus sought out after his resurrection? He said, go tell my disciples and Peter. And what are you saying? Tell Peter I'm looking for him. I'm looking for Peter. He's looking for you. He's reaching out to you. Let me close with this. Expectation is everything. Somebody says, you have a wild imagination. Thank you. That's a compliment. Because my God can do anything. Can I tell you, my God, there is nothing too hard for him. He can do anything. With faith in God, we often receive what we expect and beyond. Let's expect the Lord to do great things for us in our ministries in the coming year. I was listening a few weeks ago to a message by Pastor John Kilpatrick. I haven't even thought of John Kilpatrick for, I don't even, year or years, I don't know. Never listened to him. And I just felt the Holy Spirit just prompt me. Listen to that message. It was a powerful message. My son-in-law, Craig, said, did you listen to the one before that? It's even more so, and I haven't had a chance to do that yet. But John Kilpatrick, a few weeks ago, gave 10 prophecies for 2023. 
Now, somebody say, well, pastor, that was for his church. Well, no, it's for whoever the Holy Spirit prompts and, and gives a spark to, to appropriate by faith that prophetic word for yourself. And I felt the Spirit of God just prompt me, just hold on to that, grasp that, take it. And it was 10 prophecies. And I'm not going to share every single one, but I'm going to close with this. He gave these 10 prophecies for 2023. And as I said, a spark went off inside my heart and my faith was energized. And I'm believing God for some of these. I'm just going to share just briefly just a, a few of these that are relevant. Some are very personal, so I will not share this. But he said this in seventh prophetic word. I see that a very heart-wrenching diagnosis spoken over a family member will be revoked. I knew immediately who that was. And this is what he said. I see a, the very heart-wrenching diagnosis spoken over a family member will be revoked and a way will be made, or should I say a discovery will be discovered and tears of grief and heartbreak will quickly turn to tears of joy. The title of his message was, It Can Turn on a Dime, Your Circumstances. Your Circumstances. And one of the things he said is this, uh, in number nine, as soon as David took his brother's lunch in his hands and began to journey to get the lunch to his brothers, Goliath was already history. Things were turning on a dime. Goliath's heart was still beating, but in God's mind, he was already dead. Do you know that God, you know, we sing a song like that, that God is working even when you don't see him working. That's been my experience over the last several months. Goliath was already a dead man when David headed off to bring the lunch to his brothers. You know, another uh, prophetic word, as I said, was one that is very close to my heart. Is I see sickness and suffering lifting off of a loved one that's been afflicted for a long time. It's going to happen suddenly. And they're going to get up as we saw in that vision that the Lord gave me. They're going to get up suddenly and they're going to be restored to health. You know, I thought of two people in my family. One is my brother, my best friend, who loves the Lord with all of his heart. And he has the misfortune of having been diagnosed with two rare blood diseases. And I see him just getting worse and worse. He's getting weaker and weaker. And as soon as I heard this prophetic word, I thought, oh my God, it's going to turn on a dime. And uh, when I talked to my brother, I said something to him. He said, you know, I have been listening to Johnny Erickson Tata table talk. And she said she was talking to a, uh, a Jewish, uh, I think it was a research scientist. And he was talking about all the advances they have made in curing sicknesses and dealing with things. And he said, you know, Tim, I've decided that in January I'm going to start my treatments again. And I'm going to believe God that either he'll heal me or there'll be a discovery that will help me. It'll turn on a dime. Okay, I thought of my son-in-law, Craig, who has suffered with uh, different crazy illnesses over the years. And uh, we talked to him about sometimes there are, as I heard on the 700 Club uh, a few weeks ago, that there are sometimes there is prayer fatigue. 
and you live in your circumstances so long and you keep praying and praying and praying for God to heal and God doesn't do it. I've talked to people, this is a common occurrence of prayer fatigue. You get tired of asking God because he hasn't done anything. And it doesn't mean you don't love Jesus and you don't think, and you know he loves you. I mean, you know that, but you're just, I'm not going to pray anymore. And on the 700 Club, there was a lady just recently that uh, her mother had uh, terrible muscle disease, muscular dystrophy. And she says, I grew up in pain. From the time I was a little girl, I was in pain all the time. That was my, you might say, her lot in life. She's like the beggar at the Gate Beautiful. It's just my life. She said, I grew up, it's just my life. She says, my mother used to tell me, it's just your life. You know, you're going to be in pain. That's just your life. You need to get, get used to it. So she grew up, she got married. Long story short, her and her husband prayed, believed God for healing. They prayed at the church, prayed, prayed, prayed. After years of no results, she quit. She quit praying. She said, my husband and I just lost. We love Jesus. We knew he loved us, but we stopped praying. It was prayer fatigue. Until one Sunday in a church, something happened like happened here about a month ago when Dave Ford came. She said, there was a speaker at our church, and he opened up his Bible and his message, and he began to, to share his message. And all of a sudden, he stopped. Everything can turn on a dime. And he said, the Lord has shown me that there is a person here today who has been struggling, has been in pain, began to share her story. And he said, and the Lord has just healed you. So he went back to his notes and finished his sermon. She said, after the service, the worship team was praying, our leading worship. And she said, my husband was next to me. And he said, I looked over at her. And he said, she had her hands lifted up and was worshiping. And he said, my jaw dropped. I was amazed. She hadn't been able to lift her hands for years. And yet she's healed. Everything can turn on a dime. That sparked something in me. And I hope it sparks something in you. Let's bow for prayer. One of the last things John Kilpatrick said, he said, I'm going to leave you with this confidence that 2023 is going to be a different year. It's going to be a year of blessing. I have had three years that were not a blessing, that have been discouraging and disappointing and challenging. And that set off a spark in my soul. 2023 is going to be a good year. A good year. And I believe that not just for me, but I believe that for you. I believe that God is going to do a new thing, an exciting thing, and a blessed thing for you and your family. And I'd like you to stand with your heads bowed, eyes closed, and I'm going to ask you to reach out as I release a blessing to you for the coming year. I'm proclaiming a blessing to you today. On January 1st, 2023, 
And I believe that by the power of the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the power that works in me, that I release this blessing to you and that it will hit its mark. May the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who gave us this year give you a clear sense of a new beginning, a fresh start, and a renewed purpose to live for His glory and His honor. And may Christ walk by your side each day and fill your days with hope, with favor, and with the blessing of increase as you honor Him with your life and your decisions. And I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, and I decree that the Holy Spirit will fill you with abundant grace and mercy in 2023 and give you peace, hope, and joy. Amen. 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 God bless you. And Happy New Year to you. <laughs>